press forward outwardly. So I just, I just uh, again, so just, well spoken. Uh, I do, and I, I shared that with you, not in those words, but I just shared with her how, how I wish I would have had that wisdom um, or that desire to seek that wisdom at, at your age. So, Well, it's because of people like you in my life pouring into me that I think I'm able to do that. So thank yeah. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anything you want to share with the audience about yourself before oh, we move on? Gosh. Um, well, I guess if I just had to sum up me in 60 seconds, I'd probably say that um, – I'm the middle child of three. Um, both of my parents are in the military, so I learned really fairly quickly and early on um, about, you know, family and how big that is and how important that is to who you are and, you know, protecting and serving and honoring um, family and uh, how even though, you know, everybody may not be able to get along, you still have to love people and accept people for who they are and just hold on to that um, because that's what gets you through tough times. And um, I can honestly say with uh, having two veteran parents and uh, two other sisters, it, it hasn't really always been easy, but um, I think what counts is that we've learned to still hold on to each other while we were all changing and going through our different um, routes in life and just holding on to that love, even though <laughs> there's a very thin line between love and hate sometimes. You just always learn how to stick together and uh, and fight for each other in the end and protect each other. So um, they've been there through with me through... Uh, Blunking out of college my first year, and then I kind of dusted myself off and supported me when I went back. And um, now I'm about to do my senior year at Lipscomb University in Nashville, and um, my family has, you know, just kind of been there throughout that whole journey and let me do my own thing but still been there when I really, really needed them. So uh, I really think that would be it, just honestly, and just walking out my faith and and God and learning that, you know, your parents can't do everything for you. So sometimes if you really want it, you have to give, go for it yourself. So. Wow. <laughs> All right, you guys. <laughs> right. Um, Cody is here. You guys uh, have, we've had Cody on a few times, but he's here as well, and he says that this is a, a learning night for him, but I'm sure when we get into it, he'll have a lot to share, Rodney, so we will see. Um, anything, Rodney, about our introduction and Miss Brianna? I think that was wonderful. Anything you want to share before we give the give the housekeeping things? Um, no, just uh, thank you everyone for um, for being on with us tonight. Um, once again, we have another great show lined up for you. So uh, don't just sit back and relax. Please uh, jump in at any time and ask your questions, make your comments. Uh, definitely going to be a great show tonight. So. Thank you for being on with us. Again, this is Rodney Jordan. Um, and just glad to be able to do this one more time with Tammy. All right, right. Well, we want to just tell you guys tonight's topic is Fathers, a Daughter's, fathers, a daughter's First Love. Um, and, again, I was out with Brianna having uh, dinner and some things that she was sharing with me uh, for sure was, I was able to register with. Uh, I, I do understand the power of the male role model in, model in our lives. 
So that is tonight's topic, and we want to remind you guys of the way that we will bring you in. We hope that you guys will share some things with us tonight. You know, if you can have your father call in and think he will or anyone, your, your, your father figure in your life, uh, have that person call in and listen to tonight's show. And if there's something you would like to share, please do so. And the way that you can do that is uh, through, the, through the phone line. Of course, if you're listening by phone, you can, you can select the number one. The number is 818-691-7406. Again, 818-691-7406. You do have to select the number one if you have a question or a comment, something to add to tonight's show. Select the number one. Uh, Rodney or I will pull you in by providing the area code that you are calling from and the last four digits of the number that you're calling from. Another way to comment or ask a question is through the chat line, so we'd like for you to register as a follower of the show and do that anyway, even if you're not going to listen through the chat line, you can register as a follower, but whenever you are out and about, you can still listen online and comment as well through the chat line, so that line is open, um, and we both, Rodney and I are monitoring it, and we will get your questions out as well. Facebook, we're back and forth on Facebook as we do the show, so we have the show out there, the show page out there. You can also go on Rodney's page or my page, and we're back and forth on there. So just however you choose to do it, just do it. So that's that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I want to just start um, with Brianna. She said, accept people for who they are. Yes. And I share with her, because um, I don't have any notes, I, I, I used to have, gosh, pages and pages and pages of notes. And what I do now is I've asked God to just lead me through so that it's more of, of him coming through me. And I listen. I listen to what Rodney says. I listen to what the callers say, what people are posting. And as I was listening with, to Brianna, and she said, accept people for who they are, and that struck, that did something in me, and so I want to focus on that just a little bit. We're talking about fathers, mm-hmm. um, and I'm going to be transparent tonight. I almost called my dad and just said, asked him to listen, but I'm going to be very honest with you guys. I just didn't because I thought, I'm just going to be wasting my time. He's not going to listen, so I'm just going to be wasting my time, um, and it's sad that you get to that point, mm-hmm. but... As you said, that accept people for who they are, I agree with you to a degree. Mm-hmm. And I want to know how does that, do you feel that we have to do that with our fathers as well? Um, do we accept them for who they are by communicating, uh, well, let me say this, after communicating what we need from them, and if they're not willing to give, do we just accept them for, for who they are in that manner and if so, how do, how how do we do that? How do we tell young girls who need their father and who who've expressed that? How do we tell them to just accept your daddy for who he is? If he's that type of daddy that does not want to or chooses not to. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because I was gonna so say it's, it's really all a, it's really all a choice. Um, it's tough. I I um I can say from my experience, you know, my my parents were were married, but I'm now. They obviously didn't stay together, so um, I'm a product of a broken home. So I have, you know, memories and um, lots of memories and um, 
of my dad being there, but then I also remember I was old enough to know, you know, <laughs> when they split, you know, something wasn't right, you know. So experiencing the trauma that, you know, divorce causes and things like that, but for, um, I know, my mother grew up without her father. So it's I think it's a tough thing when you have a daughter who um, who knows that she needs a dad or, you know, maybe like if she's like me, you know, you had a dad and then you don't have a dad in the house with you and you're going through life and you're going through all these different instances where you want your dad to be there like, first date or, you know, junior prom, things like that, like, who's going to give, who's going to give you away, quote, unquote, who's going to be there, you know, to protect you and, you know, do that whole threatening a guy thing when he comes to ask you out, things like that, (laughs) Um, (laughs) you know, those things are crucial, um, believe it or not, to a girl's, you know, growing up and her maturing into, a woman, and I think that when you have a girl like that, um, even before or after, I think before she com- she if she can communicate to her father, you know, this is what I need from you, and he chooses not to do that, I think that the one thing that you can say, and I've had to learn this um, through men in my life and also on my own, just because someone else chooses not to love you doesn't mean that you shouldn't love yourself. Just because someone else makes the choice to not be there doesn't mean that you are not worthy for them to be there. And um, I heard once that that children derive their, or not even children, but I think in Hill Harper's book, and I think I mentioned this to you over dinner, in Hill Harper's book, Letters to a Young Sister, he writes that young women or girls get their self-validation from their father. So if, if you have a woman who has grown up or didn't have a father or didn't have, you know, a male figure to help validate her, and even if it is another man, it's, it's still not the same as having, you know, the the person who helped give you life. Um, it's just, it's, it's difficult. It's difficult to acquire that from an outside source because it still brings light to the fact that something is missing. Okay, wow. So, yes. Rodney, I got a lot on that. I'm writing like someone <laughs> crazy, but I'm gonna let you. <laughs> well, I think I think she's made some very um, some very powerful statements, and um, I like the one that she just said that uh, she was talking about self uh, getting self uh, validation from your fathers, and I think that um, it's something that uh, boys and girls do, but I think more so from uh, I, I I think that girls. Um, probably get theirs more so from the fathers, although it's always promoted um, how much a boy needs his father um, Mm -hmm. in his life to teach him how to be a man. But I think that, uh, for me personally, I think that both parents are necessary in every child's life. um, Because there are are certain things that, that you're going to get from your mother that you may not get from your father, and vice versa. And so the boys and the girls need that. And for the girls, typically, unless the father decides before the baby is even born, that's the first um, that's the first man that you meet, and 
from from there you you should start to build a a relationship however uh, I don't think that we need anyone uh, to validate us and I like the fact that she said that just because you know your dad doesn't do what he's supposed to do or do what you think that he should be doing it has nothing to do with who you are it it, it doesn't mean that you are not worthy uh, for 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 greatness and so I think a lot of times we get caught up in, well, you're supposed to be my father or you're supposed to be my mother, and we sit and we wait and we wait and we wait and we wait, especially when, you know, the older we get, it's like, you know, we, we want that we want that uh, relationship, and then we just reach a certain point where it's just like, you know what, forget it. Um, but you don't need anyone to validate you. I think you, that's a really you you are a wonderful human being. The problem is, the problem is, if if the mother is the the only person, uh, if she's a custodial parent and she's a single parent, um, the mother has to step in and make sure that her children know. Uh, even if the father is nowhere to be found, the mother has to step in and let the children know. Hey, you know something? Like you are beautiful. Uh, you are intelligent. Um, and not feel sorry for the kids because the man is not there. Don't feel sorry for your kids because the father is not active in their life. Your kids are, and you know what? Your kids it's are important to feel sorry for yourself as mm-hmm. well yeah. as, as, as a mother because sometimes, um, so much she said, but so, so often mothers get caught up in feeling sorry for themselves because they feel, I chose this person so Whenever you're feeling some kind of way about your choices, your energy, your your thought process is towards that negative. As you talked about, you started out saying it's all a choice. Mm-hmm. Even if for fathers who say, who choose, who who choose not to be in their daughter's lives. Right. Um, and I agree with you, Rodney. It, it, a father, any parent, children need both parents. It doesn't matter if there is a, a role model there who steps in. There is still a longing for your natural biological parents, in, in, in my opinion, even if it's just to know, just to see, just, just tell me about them. So I think there's some things there that we just cannot overlook that's just a natural pulling, spiritual pulling, a desire to know. Now, it goes back to choice, just as it is a choice for your mother or father. And I'd like to do a show on fathers, a son's first hero, because I feel like that's a, that's a great, that's the reason we have such a disconnect with our young males today as well. I just feel like men need to get it and women need to get it, that men were put here for different reasons than we were put here. Absolutely. I feel that that comes from God. So while we're walking around wanting to be the man, um, and I, uh, we can't. We just cannot be. And I simply don't want to be anymore. <laughs> I mean, really. <laughs> but it's tough. There's a natural state. I was I was speaking with someone about uh, how some men get sick when the woman is pregnant. Now the man's not pregnant. That seed is not in, growing in him. Right. But some men get sick. If that doesn't say mm-hmm. something about the spiritual part of this for young, 
for for as a as a baby. Right. I mean, really, that is some really men. Why right. have you heard of that? Where some men get sick when when their wives or the gir- girls are pregnant? Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard that. Um, I want to say it happened to one of my brothers. Yeah, they so so that must mean to me that says that this is bigger than what we what we think, which is why there's so many young girls longing for that connection because it's, yeah. it's in. And to me, I've said on this show many times, people are not operating in their natural state. Once I became a mother, even though I became a mother young, 21. I don't have a choice to say I don't want to be a grandma. Now I can say it. I can say it. And and these days I've been saying it because because of what I see in the world today and and just it's just it seems overwhelming to to try to be able to raise a child in this world today. Not that he be my child to raise, but I'm a grandma. I'm going to I'm going to want to be in that child's life and I really feel like I would have no control over this world and probably would go to jail. Seriously. Seriously. So I have no choice. But my natural state as a mother, you guys know you can see your your mom can say something and your dad can say something. And it could be the same thing that someone else comes and says. Mm -hmm. But we may look at our parents. That may be something we don't want our parents to say or do because of how we see our parents. Because there's something we want our parents to be different. We want them to just be parents. We don't want them to be humans. Seriously, <laughs> seriously, there is. Your, if, for instance, if you hear your mother curse, yeah. would it be different from hearing your friend curse? Absolutely. It is. And, I, you know, I think that is something that, as I think that's just a part of growing up. I remember when I first realized, um, or maybe it's puberty. I think puberty kind of knocks parents off the pedestal that, <laughs> that children have for them. Um, and you just kind of start to realize, oh, my goodness, my parents make mistakes or my dad did something he shouldn't have or my mom had a really crappy day and then she took it out on me, which is so, you know, not her. And I think that, I think that's part of the, I think, I just think that's a part of the process of, you know, when you start, I, not to say, you know, we can ever be equal with our parents because, I know I always try to honor and revere my parents as best I can. I think I'm in that stage right now where I'm, you know, okay, like, okay, yes, you still help me, but for the main part, like, mostly I'm self-sufficient, so when I come and I buy groceries, I kind of need for you to not eat what I really, really want. (laughs) Like, I know we share and you birthed me, but... uh, I just a little bit you a little bit of respect. you want respect. Exactly, right. exactly. But I think that uh yeah, I think that that when that transition starts to happen it's it's strange. It's okay. it's definitely strange. I know it was strange for me and my dad because when I when I would talk to him kinda of when I was growing up a little bit and um I think I was probably about sixteen. Yeah, sixteen. And he was um he was saying something to me, and I said something back, and he was—he said, I can't believe you just said that to me. And I said, well, why not? You mean, you asked me a question, I gave you my honest opinion, you know, and he was just like, you're just, you're really growing up, and it's it's just happening all too fast for me. But to me, I'm thinking, you know, I'm 16, this is bound to happen, you know, I <laughs> can't stop it. So it's, uh, I think it's, 
it's very interesting, I feel like, once parents start to, you know, that you, when you see them make mistakes and then you realize, okay, they make mistakes, I make mistakes, we're all just kind of learning this thing called life at the same time together. Okay. Well, we have some callers, yeah. and what I my question for you, and maybe you have one too, Rodney, but I, we're going to take the callers first. But my my question for you when we come back is, do you how what do you feel about this title, Fathers a Daughter's First Love? Okay. And was your was your father your first love, and did he? Hold up to that responsibility. Okay. A lot of questions. You got them? Yeah, I got them. Okay. Rodney, do you have any before we take the caller so that she can be thinking on this? Uh, I do, but we'll, 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 she, she has enough for now, so we'll go ahead and take the caller. Okay. All right. As we said, we're going to pull you in by providing the area code that you're calling from. So we have 757 with the last four digits of 4948. Caller, you're on the air with us. Thank you for calling. Hi, yes. My name is Dr. Fetterman. I'm from the Eastern Shore of Virginia. This is my first time joining, and I'm glad to be a part of this. Um, Welcome. So thank you guys for what you do. Um, but I, I come from a different perspective of all of this. Um, I'm, I'm a product. I have two children, and my children are a product of a very successful divorce. And I also believe that when situations like this arise and we're trying to get our daughters involved with the father, I really believe there, there must be a level of receptiveness to allow that father to be a part so that he can demonstrate what love is. And Absolutely. also in listening to, the, listening to the, uh, the girl giving her speech, you know, when we talk about fathers and, and trying to do the right thing for our daughters, our sons, it doesn't matter, Sometimes fathers don't really know how to effectively communicate because of what they saw when they were growing up. So it's a, it's a relearning of bad behavior in order to give our daughters things that were better than what we had. Mm-hmm. And I also think that when we're trying to show our daughters true love, we have to first love ourselves and whatever difference says those two parents had, they have to equally let those differences go so that the best for that child can manifest and the child can see that both parents love me or if both parents are not involved, if the situation is positive for the children, whoever that woman gets next after me, I hope and pray that he's right for her and he's ultimately right for my children. So, therefore, a father in proxy, in my mind's eyes, it's okay for me because I know that I'm involved in my children's lives, and I know that no other guy can replace what I do. But for a time that I'm not there, someone can fill that void, and the mother cannot do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Carla, can I ask you a question? What? what tell sure. me... What do you feel mothers can do, women can do to better, um, to, to assist this situation better? Because sometimes, again, mothers get caught up in the relationship not working, and we forget that these, these, these are kids who see mommy and dad as one plus one equals me. And if mommy hates dad, then she must hate a part of me, or she hates someone that I love dearly. What, just for women now, 
what can can give us something something to take away here? What can we do better to help our young men and women have better relationships with their father? A relationship with their father. I, I think one of the best things to do is to plan. And when I say plan, we all know that our children are going back to school in September. Don't wait until the last day of August to tell the father that you need help. When yeah. you go to him and say, you know, school is coming, I'm going to need your help. You already know the child is going back to school, and the father should rightfully know that it's time for the child to go back to school, and he should suggest what he can do or what he's willing to do in order to offset some of the pressure or burden for the mom. And, and I also think that the planning can give that relationship between that mother and father a chance to heal because if he's able to do the smallest, it's, it's a moving in the right direction of healing. It's moving in the right direction of understanding. It's moving in the right direction of communicating. And in order to communicate, that's two people talking, not arguing. And as soon as one parent does not live up to the other's expectation, then there's another issue. So, again, I think planning is essential to the success of both parents being involved effectively and efficiently. Okay. Is there, and this is my last question, I'm sorry, but you, you brought up some great points and I want to, want to make sure because this is a great, great topic. Mm-hmm. Is there ever a time that a mother should, should say, okay, no more? And I'll give you an example, um, and I'll be very candid. This is something that I did, and, I, and I've always um, question, I've questioned it for a while now, but I, but, but I was at a point where I just said enough is enough. Uh, no more lying to him. Um, you're going to be in or you're going to be out. I had someone there uh, that, I, that I felt was a great replacement, um, and my son was very young at the time, but I got to a point where I just said no more, no more of this. There's not going to be in and out. You're not going to be on today, off tomorrow. And I just, I just backed away because before that I was trying to just pull, make sure, pull him in, pull him in. I, want, I need you to be there for him. Forget about the money. I need you to be there for him. And it just wasn't happening. So I got to a point where I said no more. And I, it was as if he didn't exist. Um, and so I, I always, I, as, as my son got older, I questioned that. So is there ever a time where we should say um, no more? Do you feel? No. If, if no. We feel, no? Okay. No. No. Okay. And, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, when we decide to have children, we all think in our mind that this is going to be the greatest thing since, you know, God came to earth or this is the best thing since, you know, buttered bread. But I don't think we should ever say enough is enough because who are we as human beings? Who are we to say that's enough? You know, God is the author and finisher of it all, and it's up to him to be able to say, this is enough. And we don't know what is going to happen from the various situations that we're in, how it's going to turn out for the child. You know, heaven forbid you have pushed this this man out, and all of a sudden if something happens, you know, the first course that, you know, the court system is going to go to is the father. 
well, if you've said enough is enough and you've already alienated this child from the father for whatever the reason, it's going to be a hard barrier to break. Case in point, uh, in my area, a teacher um, was given custody of her son after the father had him for a number of years, and the court said, you know, enough is enough. You're going to go and live with your mother. And the child did not want to break that hold with his father. And as a result of coming to be with his mom, he was with his mom for two weeks. They took him out of school and put him on homebound, and while he was on homebound, the boy committed suicide. So when we say enough is enough, we don't really know what is really going on. We're still dealing in our own emotions, and we're people. We're subject to do that. It's not wrong to get in your emotions, but you have to remember it's not about us. It's not about you. It's about them. Mm-hmm. And when you offer enough opportunities for that child to be involved, that child will grow up. Just as you say your son has grown up, he will then be able to make a conscious effort on who has been that identifiable source that can be called daddy. Wow. You've done That's your good stuff, man. <laughs> I, 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 it is. And, and I, I'm so glad you, you, you disagree with me because I bet you there's a young mother as I was out there. And not only did I say enough is enough to him, but being young and just in a state of confusion and anger myself, I, I pretty much took him away from his grandparents. And, and you well. said it. You just said it. And so, your anger yourself. Your anger yeah. yourself. And the I, thing that keeps me grounded uh, in all that I do, and Rodney can tell you, my children are an integral part of my life. Anything that I do, they are there with me. We are divorced, but we still go to games for the support of the children. We still participate in events for the child together. But when we are in a situation and things are not going right, we have to remind ourselves, what if God said to us, enough is enough, and he just backed out of our lives? That wouldn't be good. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're all feeling that right now. There. We appreciate hey, so, it. You know, just, just continue, <laughs> continue to provide uh, the opportunities for him to be involved, even if it's no vocal contact between you. Uh, when you get your child's report card, mail him a copy. At least he will have something to hold on to, and you know that you have sent it. You have given him all of the information, and if he's going to falter as a father, allow him to do it on his own. Don't you be the precursor to his, you know, abandonment of the child. Don't you cause it. Allow him to do it on his own. Okay. Great stuff. Wow. That Great was actually stuff. a point that I was that I was going to make um, at some point in the show. So um, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, Doctor Federer. I think I, I think you made some great points. Uh, Doctor Federer is a uh, is a great friend of mine. Uh, we've met through the uh, Education Association uh, here in Virginia. Uh, but just a great guy, great father. Um, every uh, the two times I've I've, I've uh, seen him have been at a um, teacher convention. Um, one in Atlanta and one in Denver, um, and both times 
Um, his kids were right there with him. Um, and it, it, it's just something um, that's just awesome to see. It's a, it's a great model for other fathers, for other men um, to see, um, you know, just how you should be as a father. Um, so definitely some great points. I was trying to sit here and write a whole lot of stuff down. Uh, you know, and one other thing that I would like to share, you know, so many fathers get caught up in that in that identifiable piece called uh, those two cousins, I call them. That's child support and wage attachment. But, you know, <laughs> I, pay, I pay that $2,200 every month, and everything that I do for my children, I do it on my own because it's the right thing to do. You know, it's right for me to take my children where I go. It's right for me to show my daughter that you can go and get your nails done and get your hair done and daddy will pay for it. So if you meet some guy, he's going to have to step up his game because my daddy already gets my hair done. My daddy gets my nails done. My daddy, you know, opens the door for me. My dad does this. So you're going to have to come correct if you're going to be a part of my life, and no other man can take that from me. You know, they didn't ask to be here, and they're here, and it's my duty and my responsibility to do the rest. I have a question for you, um, because my, okay, so I'm Brianna uh, Woods, and um, I'm a guest on the show today, and I, my father was in the military, so he got moved around a lot, um, so my parents were already divorced, and so he, my dad was not there. Um, but he was also the dad who would, when he would come, he would give us all the things we wanted, but when we needed things, he wasn't always able to do that. So, um, or not able to do that, but wouldn't. But do one something. quick interjection, did he know what you all needed? Did he know? Yes, yes. So, and I think I didn't find out until I was older, um, not to, you know, take a shot at my dad. I love him so much, but um, he, I would, I found out when I was older that a lot of times when I would call him and tell him, you know, Dad, I need this, or, you know, if I needed something, I would ask my mom, and she would say, I can't really do it right now, but ask, call your dad and ask him because he, he lived better off than we did, um, and so I was raised pretty much by a single mother, but I would find I found out later that a lot of times he would say, you know, he had done something, but my mom just didn't want us to know that he hadn't come through or done what he said he was going to do or sent, you know, money or things that he said he was going to send. And so she would overcompensate and do the things herself. So, right. um, and I know that that was something that was really hard for me trying to, Forgive him for, you know, when you find out after the fact. So what do you say to daughters who have, you know, fathers like that, who who don't have someone who is able to do or does what they say they're going to do the way you do for your kids? Um, like, what do you what do you say? Well, yes, and, and you know, that, that is a very emotional point. Um, but I, 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 I say that to say this. There are certain things that are that will remain adult conversations. There are certain things that, you know, as a mother and as a father, that you just don't discuss with your children, just trying to keep in perspective. 
And if he's able to come through, you know, great. If he doesn't, you know that you're going to have your needs met. And it's nothing worse than issuing false promises, you know, because children will remember that. It's kind of like having a, a bad teacher. It takes, you know, seven years to change that experience. And, and I just believe that when we have those experiences of issuing false promises, we have to make sure that there is something that is that you can show that you have honestly tried because some some mothers and some fathers truly cannot get over that hurt that they experience together and they're very sabotaging and trying to be good cop, bad cop, make dad look good, make mom look bad. You know, they try to play each other when in the middle the children are crying just to have their needs met. Yeah. So I think it's very, very important that when, and a lot of fathers become very disgruntled and noncompliant when they know in their heart they're already paying child support, and according to the courts, that's all they need to do. So then some mothers will not even let their children know that they are receiving child support. And some of the things that they want, need, desire should be, taken out of that money, but in turn, mom is doing whatever she wants to do with it and then putting it back that it's dad not stepping up to the plate. But again, he should not issue false promises that he cannot deliver. Right. Well, thank you. you. And and you guys, I want to, and we're going to bring, I want to thank you so much. You've just brought up some great points. And I want to make sure, and I hope you don't mind, Brianna, but same thing happened as we, we had dinner, Brianna, which which led to this show. There's such brokenness. You know, she still feels the pain. The tears are obvious uh, here. So she still feels that pain, and I can relate. I'm 46, and I still feel the pain. And it does not go away. You have to learn to deal with it. You have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And I agree with the caller as, as women you know, we have to be careful with those words of how we speak about each other because, no, let's not be careful. Let's just not do it. Let's just not do it exactly. because yeah. you, are speaking in, you are speaking to a part of your child that is a part of the person you are talking to, uh, talking about. I'm sorry. So let's not be careful. Let's just not do it. And as our caller said, some things our children just don't need to know because they're going to grow older um, and find out for themselves. They're going to know, yes, and yes, I do know yes. that to be true based on my own story as well because although I said I said enough is enough, I, I did not, if, if he would have stepped up, I would have, my son could have could have gone. And there came a time to where my son went off with his biological father and said, I can be your friend, but I have a father. That's, and, and, and he is, they are friends. But I to that conclusion himself, never heard me say a bad word about him at all. And to this day, his father says, thank you for not, because that allowed him to say, we can be friends, but I have a Yeah. So let's just not do it, because and it's hard sometimes not to, but let's just not do it. And then don't make the choice to, to take the kids out. Don't say enough is enough as I did. I think I might would have did it differently had I... If I could go back. Thank you, caller. Yes. 
Rodney, anything? You're welcome. Uh, no, that was that, that was a mouthful for me. Uh, <laughs> so thank you, thank you so much, Doctor Federman. Uh, always appreciated, man. No problem. Glad to be here. And I and I expect to see you uh, this Saturday uh, at my book signing. I will be there. <laughs> All right, no man. False take promises, care. No false promises. I'll be there. <laughs> <laughs> great father, great dad, great dad, great I appreciate man. it, man. Hey, do us a favor and select the number one, so that way, if you uh, want to say something later in the show, we can always pull you back in. So select the number one for us as we take you out of the queue. Thank you. All right, man. Thank you. Okay, let's bring in our next caller, and thank you for holding so long for us, but we just want to make sure we cover all grounds here because this is so important. But we have 504 with the last digits of 7037. Caller, you're on the air with us. Thank you for holding again, and thank you for calling. Hey, guys, uh, this is Trent Williams. Uh, great show, great show tonight, great conference. Hey, Trent, how are you? What's up, Trent? <laughs> oh, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Hey, congratulations on your uh, your release, uh, yeah, brother. Congratulations on your release, and... Uh, I see the book signing that you're doing there, so good stuff. Congratulations. I appreciate it, man. And it's actually, uh, just dive right into it. This is actually a, a wonderful, wonderful topic, and it's just kind of ironic because I just spent five days with Kennedy over in Michigan. Um, took a break from the conversation tour um, to to catch up and spend some time with her. And some of the stuff that uh, the young lady said, it was kind of emotional because I actually remember that with my first wife going through that where um, my first wife wasn't over the uh, the relationship and I was living in Los Angeles at the time and, you know, they were they were in the South and, you know, a lot of stuff, you know, communication, just like the, the gentleman said earlier, he had a lot of great points, a lot of great points there. Um, sometimes it gets, you know, the kids get caught in the middle of feelings, uh, either it would be on both parents' part or on you know, either or, and, you know, most of all, some things are, you know, said that shouldn't be said to a child, and we have to be careful as parents that we don't infuse insecurity and, and doubt into our kids when we talk about the other parent. So, you know, like, like with Taylor, my, my first daughter, she, she never knew that I was sending all that money. You know, I just didn't travel back that way um, to, to spend a lot of time because, you know, I'm in L.A., I'm, I'm working, I'm busy, and that's no excuse. But she never knew that the money was delivered every single month. I've never had to go through any type of child support, anything like that. But because of the mother being bitter and being young at the time, we'll, put, we'll place it on young, and, and a lot of my decisions that I made back then were from, you know, young and you know, 22, 23 years old with a ton of money, you got to play a lot if you're if you're a young man. But Taylor didn't know until, you know, she was about 9 or 10 that, yeah, we're living like this because Daddy's doing this. Because the mother didn't, she didn't say. She wasn't talking about that stuff because she was still stuck. Even though I've moved on with my life, she was still stuck feeding this child bitterness. So now that bitterness transferred over. So now it's a cycle, a cycle that had to be broken, which I broke because actually I left Los Angeles and moved back to, you know, moved back to the South to break that cycle. 
you know, a business. That's so commendable. But, I, I have a question. I want to make sure I, you you said something about insecurities that when when pa- yeah. parents need to recognize when they are speaking about the other parent that they are. Cre- did I hear you right? That be careful because they could create insecurities yeah. in they're that in child. Yeah, they're, 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 uh, they're infusing insecurity into that child, saying what the father didn't do or what the mother didn't do. They're infusing insecurity into that child. At this point, and I hear the young lady, and my heart goes out to her. I'm tearing up listening to her because I hear her crying on the other end there. So we have to be careful as parents not to, you know, infuse and inject that, that insecurity into our kids. And to fast forward to Kennedy, um, which I'm sure you guys heard of on the show the other night, um, mm-hmm. she called me She called me in the middle of the father-daughter dance. Uh, they're over in Phoenix now, and every, every, uh, every summer we meet up in Detroit where we used to live so that we could hang out and go to our favorite restaurant, TGIF Fridays over there, and, and, you know, spend some time. But she called me from the father-daughter dance, and her stepfather was there with her. And she's on the phone crying. She's FaceTiming me crying. Dressed up so beautiful, hair is just gorgeous, everything. And um, her mother didn't tell me about the father-daughter dance. So I'm gonna have to, I have to put on the armor. Of, of 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 strong dad, so this kid wouldn't see me crying on his FaceTime. Yeah. So I'm sitting there like, wow, this is this is crazy. So I got a chance to talk to her, um, my uh, my ex-wife's husband. I said, listen, I said, uh, have the dance for me. I said, but remember, you know, just just like the gentleman said, you're not going to take that place. And I was just bold like that. And tell me, you know, I just speak how I feel. So. Fast forward to, to Detroit, the first thing Kennedy wanted to do, she wow. YouTube on her iPad, Dance With My Father by Luther Vandross. We stayed up dancing until 3 a.m. <laughs> and you, you know what I mean? So that child held that all that time because she wanted, just like the gentleman said, he could never take my place. Never, ever take my place. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, and I had my daughter from eight months to three years old before I decided to leave that toxic relationship and gave her to her mother. The one thing I did was I asked God. I said, I'm going to leave and get myself together mentally to, you know, because it was a toxic relationship. I need to leave and get myself together mentally. But please... I'm leaving everything that I love. Do not have this child forget me. God, you know, and, and I want women to really, because you guys, we, I, I really feel like men get a bad rap, that there are a lot of men out there who want to do and are doing as as you are, and, you, and I heard you say that you didn't know about the dance. And I didn't. I, I, I had no idea. Well, at, at least give them the opportunity. Yeah, right. Because there are some yeah. who will go, and you're not hurting the man. You're hurting. You're, you are, but 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 you're hurting your children more exactly. than anything. Yeah. And, and, here's, and here's, here's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Tammy. Here's, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. And and one need to understand this. And I'm not holding a flag for all fathers because a lot of those guys out there are bums. You know what I'm saying? A lot of them out there are bums. But for the guys like myself, the gentleman that was on the line, hey, we hold that flag and we go proud in and we send that money. 
It's never a problem to send that money. But give me the respect. I don't care if you inside your feelings, but you give me the respect as the father to fly over to Phoenix and have that dance. Yeah. You give me the respect. I don't care if you're inside your feelings. I, that, for, for me, and, and you know, and, and now we're in a successful divorce, and we were actually raising, you know, Kennedy together. And I was like, hey, listen, you got to get out of your feelings, man, and everything that has been done, you did it to yourself. And I have to remind her, you know, I have to throw some darts back at her. Like, listen, I had Kennedy from eight to three years old. So uh, what are you talking about? Let's 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 go ahead and take this delusional mask off. So let's let's get to some truth and turn that mirror inward. So my whole point is, when when we do this to the to the child out of spite for the parent, we're only infusing insecurity into these kids. That's it. I tell Kennedy all the time, I do not go to bed without speaking to her. I do not go start my morning without talking to her before she goes to school. She's at the nail shop getting her nails done. I'm on FaceTime with her. Let Daddy see what you're picking out there because the money has already been sent there. So, well, a lot of folks say, wow, you spend a lot of time on FaceTime with your kid. You're damn right I do because I want her to know I'm there when I'm not even there. So this is a great topic. It, it touched home for me, and um, I had a wonderful time with Kennedy, and I'll see her in September again. We're going to a water park over in, in Phoenix. But um, it's hard. It's hard for fathers who are separated from the child. So, you know, I, I, my heart goes out to those guys and goes out, especially out to the kids who have to deal with that and not knowing where the truth is when you're talking about two parents that are stuck. Yeah. And I think it's so crucial. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Do I have to introduce myself again? Okay. okay. So I'm Brianna. Um, but I think it's so crucial what you just said, you know, having the truth there. Like when there is no truth, when the truth isn't there, I don't think there's really a way for the forgiveness to even start so that you can heal right. from it, so that you right. can, so that love can come back in. Yeah. Because as long as there's that hurt, that bitterness, you know, there can't really be that, that pure love that you need in a relationship, exactly. you know, either between the parents, just, a you know, mutual love and respect for another person. Yeah. Like, you, that has to be there. So I think it's so crucial that you, you know, even just say what you said, that, the yeah. you know, there has to be a truth. Right. And I think sometimes that's just acknowledging that even if it's the mom who said, I did not I did not do this right. I kept your dad from you, but your dad really loves you. Or if it's the father who says, you know, I didn't do this right. Your mom mm-hmm. wanted me there and, and asked me to be there, but I just didn't know how, but I love you. Let's start now. Sometimes, guys and, and ladies, it's just saying, just speaking, and then from right. there, start. Be what you, well, you know, be what you wanted to be, but we get so caught up in, I didn't do, and now I can't do, and now what what is mm-hmm. happening is these young girls are growing up to be young ladies who are looking for what they needed from their fathers, and, and women, mm-hmm. if you're keeping it from them, then you're setting your daughters up. You're setting them up to fail in every relationship unless they find it in God some kind of way, but typically that does not happen right away because the rejection that then sets in, that I'm not worthy if my dad didn't love me, and if you are contributing to your daughter thinking that her dad does not love her, then you're setting your daughters up. 
Exactly. And I, I'll leave you guys. I'll leave you guys with this once again, guys. Rodney and Tim, epic, epic topic. It needs to be talked about uh, from both sides, from the fathers and from the mothers. Uh, and, and know that, you know, the most important thing is the kids. But just like the gentleman said before me, before any of that healing can happen, before any of that truth that you were just talking about can happen, when you sit down, the three of you, that child, the father, and the mother, that inward mirror has to come in. That inward mirror has to take place. So you have to be honest with yourself and love yourself enough to say, hey, let me fix this. Let me break this cycle. It doesn't matter about embarrassment. Okay, well, I lied to you. It doesn't matter about the embarrassment. What's more important, a lifetime of heartache? Or you just, you know, just go ahead and heal that kid. You know, heal that kid. You you leave a mark for life. Yep. You leave a mark for life. So, great topic, guys. Real, real great topic here. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) And keep up the good work. Thank you for being an awesome father. It shows. So, um. And, and and hold other guys accountable, and and the mothers as well. Hold the people accountable. That's what I say. We got to start calling them as they are. You guys, tell your friends. There it is. Tell. There it is. There it is. Good stuff. I'll continue to listen, guys. Thanks, Thank man. You. Okay. I don't I don't know if this is the way that we intended for the for the show to go, but it. Um, <laughs> I think it's definitely uh, uh, by having two um, two successful fathers, um, two decent fathers. I think by having these gentlemen come, uh, by having these gentlemen be a part of the conversation, I think it has kind of uh, shifted things a little bit. I think it's offered a, a, a fresh perspective, a new perspective on some things that a lot of people uh, don't even think about or don't even realize is happening. Um, and I think that there are so many fathers who want to be a part of um, their children's lives, and um, they just cannot be. Um, and sometimes it's not even their fault. Sometimes they want to be. But, uh, you know, the mother, and I think sometimes even the grandparents um, get involved, um, the girlfriends get involved, and like, it, it just turns into a mess. Um, but you do have fathers who, who wants to be involved. And then going back to something that I've heard a few times tonight um, that that kind of reminds me of something that I that I learned a long time ago and I still say it now, and that is people can only give you what they have. And no matter what that is, um, if they don't have it to give it to you, then they can't. And sometimes your parents want to show you love, but they just don't know how uh, because of, the love that they were shown or lack thereof when they were growing up. And so they want to um, show love, but they just don't know how. Like the first time I told my dad I loved him, my dad told me I was gay. And that was when I was in the sixth grade. Um, You know, and even now, like, you know, he'll say it, but he'll say, well, you know, we love you, but he can't come out and say, like, I love you, you know. So I think, you know, it's just, that's, that's just the way it is sometimes. You, you know, Ronnie, um, I know you and I had this discussion briefly as well, but as Brianna and I talked about doing the show, we did not want to attack fathers. Absolutely and, not. Um, ironically, both of us come from a place of pain when it comes to the relationship with our fathers. Deep down, do I know my father loves, loves me? Absolutely. 
do I feel he could do could have did a whole lot more even even now um I still feel like even if it's just a phone call he could do better and I've expressed that to him as well I'm not going to hold back because I I've I've, I've 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 said a million times you could at least call but I call you know I remember I shared this with Brianna um I went through a class called Healing for Damaged Emotions many, many years ago, and out of that class, um, it asked, well, suggested that you write a letter to the person that you feel has hurt you the most. And it wasn't that he had hurt me by doing something. It was more so by not really being there, you know, well, minus the money, be. minus the all the things. Your daughters, for most part, your children just want you. They, they, they prefer to sit in a park with you and eat a peanut butter and jelly sandwich than go to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm serious. At the end of the day, really, they, they really just want you. But I remember after taking that class, and I shared it with Brianna, the first year I called my dad and said, this is your daughter I called to have to tell, so that you could wish me a happy birthday. <laughs> and I did it on my birthday. But I went after what I wanted and what I needed from him. Not what he was able to give me. I said, okay, if this is what I need, if I need to hear my dad say happy birthday, then I'm going to call him so that I can hear. Who cares how I, how I get it? Mm-hmm. At that point in my life, that's what, that's what I needed because I noticed that there was a level of rejection, insecurity, and things that I was dealing with and just did not know where they were coming from and how to overcome them. And it wasn't just just that relationship it was just a number of things that kids go through that we don't allow them to talk about and express i think we we feel that these kids don't know they don't see and we so we don't talk and we allow them we give them too much room to assume yeah um and we can say things to a point to where they get they're able to get an understanding based on their age of course but we don't do enough communicating and we don't give these kids enough credit for knowing and seeing the vindict the manipulative the manipulation that's going on, you know, all of that all of those things. So it's we we just we have to do more and we again we didn't want to name this anything other than daughter's father's first love. We we pondered on the title and we wanted it to be positive because I do realize that there are some men out there that are 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 being mothers. There's no different. They're being a parent. They are a parent. Forget about mom, dad. They are a parent, and they're doing it to the best of their ability, and they're doing it because they understand their role. They understand the value that they're pouring into their daughters and those sons' lives. They understand that. And I say to the guys who want to, you just have to. Just do. Minus the money, if you don't, and, and don't let money, women as well, don't let money be the determining factor. If 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 he has $10, take the $10. Add to it. Because that child will be so in awe, so happy to know that dad is contributing. Mm-hmm. Do we need more than $10? Absolutely. But if $10 is going to make your child see that dad is taking care of us, 
hey, take those $10 and go to the park. Buy that pe- that bread and peanut butter and say, you know, Dad, Dad wants us to go hang out. Let's go to the park. But that's feeding, that's nurturing your child. So I just wanted to make sure, because you, you brought that up about the, the direction of the show. I'm, I'm so glad that it is going this way. Um, and, and, Rodney, you also said people can only give what they have. I do, I, 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 I do believe that. I feel like many mothers and fathers are dealing with their own issues. They're, they, they have their own things. They have their own feelings of rejection, being feeling unloved or whatever, things that they have not dealt with, and they don't really know how to give you the part that you want of them and need. And so they give you the way that they want to give you. And so sometimes I think we have to realize that people love us differently than we expect sometimes. Mm -hmm. That I may want the time and you may want to give me money. And hopefully I just pray that you get to that point where you're able to give me your time. So I think we have another caller. Let's see. Um, Thank you. Maybe our caller coming back in. We're going to bring in seven five seven four nine four eight. Caller, you on the air with us? Okay, we're bringing in the caller from seven five seven with the last four digits of four nine four eight. You're on the air with us? Okay, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> Um, I think we should let Brianna um, answer the, the questions that you asked her. Are you ready? Oh, gosh, yes, I'm ready. And you remember the questions? <laughs> I do. I wrote them down. So um, I remember the first question was what this title meant to me. Um, and honestly, I, I think this title means everything because um, I think a daughter's first love is her father, and I don't remember who who said this, but um, someone mentioned earlier on in the show that the first man a girl meets is her father, and I think that that's so vital because um, my mom, it's so funny, it's slightly embarrassing, but my mom would always make these jokes when we would go through, um, one day I was going through a box, and I found all these drawings I did probably when I was four or five, and it's uh, it's all these, it's me and my dad, and so it's Brianna loves dad or Brianna and dad, and um, I was going through everything, and I was like, oh, mom, look at these, you know, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, there's so many pictures of just me and dad, and um, this is obviously prior to their divorce, but she said, yeah, um, I remember when you used to always do those, and I would get really upset because I felt like... <laughs> Anybody looking at them felt like I was not even in the house. So, um, I don't know. It's, I think it's, there's something, uh, I know they always say that, you know, mothers and sons have a, a really special connection, and, and fathers and daughters do too. And, I, you know, I can't explain it. I don't know what it is, but I think it's just something about that's the example of, of a man, like that's the first example that you have. Um, I know Dr. Fetterman uh, mentioned that, you know, he opens doors for his daughter, you know, he goes and takes her to get her nails done, and so did our other caller. Um, and I just think it's, you look when you look at your dad, like that's what you see, and that's what you expect. 
expect. So you can't expect, you know, anyone else to do for you what your dad won't do for you. And um, when I was younger, my dad would always say, you know, you tell a phone, you tell a gram, you tell a dad. Like, that you should just, when you are looking to, you know, need something, don't don't call anybody else. You should only be able to call me. And um, having that expectation, I feel like it's so, it, it's just, that's what you grow up having. Um, so I I really, I agreed completely when uh, Tammy and I came up with this title. And um, I, I can honestly say, yeah, my dad was my um, my first love. I When I would, um, if you can't, my dad's a big jokester. And I felt like if you couldn't make me laugh, like we really didn't have anything to talk about. Because I can't take you home to meet my, my parents or meet my dad, you know. And, my dad. Right. Okay. <laughs> Not mom. You know, yeah. we, we, right. I can't, I can't have you come in and, you know, you you don't laugh. You don't say funny stuff. Like, if you can't compete, if you can't hold your own, then, you know, I don't really I don't really think that wow. you have a, a chance. And so um, um, I know that, obviously, um, as we mentioned before, just, you know, my dad, things did happen. You know, my parents got divorced and he moved around. He he also remarried and um, he had stepchildren. And so I watched, I kind of felt a little, uh, I don't even know, a little jealous because I watched him raise, you know, somebody else's kids and, you know, in another state. And so I would come and I think there was a Christmas where my, uh, my stepsister was saying, you know, my dad's favorite color was green. And I'm thinking, no, it's not. It's blue. And she's like, um, your dad's favorite color is definitely green. And that's so, you know, a favorite color is so simple. But just knowing that, you know, someone else knew my dad better than I did because they were able to spend every day with them. And I couldn't, like, that, I mean, that, like, really, really hurt. But, um, I mean, I think my dad will... He's um he's he's been through a lot and he's obviously you know his life has taken him elsewhere and so is mine like now like I mentioned now I live in Nashville and right now my dad lives in Missouri but I mean he's been literally all over the world so it's he um I think he's still he's still I think my I think he'll always be my my first love I mean he's he's still that that guy that I would look to period, because he was the first example. He was there before everything, and, um, you know, I wouldn't take anything less than what he gave me in the beginning when he was there every day for me. Um, so I absolutely think, you know, he, he held true to that, but I also think that, too, as life has taken us apart, um, and he has struggled, you know, with his own things, and I've been able to, like I said, see him as uh not kind of equal, yeah, but yeah, like as a regular person, just um he makes mistakes. Um, sometimes, you know, he makes promises that he can't keep and and he has pride that, you know, keeps him from from admitting that because he he knows that, you know, he is my dad and he should have been able to, you know, make some things happen but, you know, couldn't and I and I know that hurts him. And so I, I think as I've gotten older, I've been able to, you know, look at that, accept it, recognize it for what it is. But um, like I said in the very beginning, you know, just love love him for who he is and accept him for who he is because 
that that's still my dad at the end of the day. Um, and my mom never remarried, so I, I haven't had the luxury of having, you know, another dad. I've been able to have, you know, uncles and male mentors who, you know, were able to, you know, try to fill in, but um, I, Kelly Woods will always be first man I ever loved and uh man to walk me down the aisle when I start loving somebody else for the rest of my life. <laughs> so, uh, I have a I think question. That's I have to say. I have a question for you, Brianna. Okay. Um, how much was your first love, well, I guess in this sense, your second love, uh, or boyfriend, um, if you've had one, how much was he like your father? Um... It's so funny that you say that because there was actually a, a guy that I met in high school who I refused to date because he reminded me way too much of my dad. Like, he, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds so bad, but, I mean, they were both, um, when they met, too, and I don't even remember how they met because it wasn't because of me. I think my dad came to one of our basketball games, and um, the guy was there, and he's like, oh, Brianna, like, you should totally date him. I think he really likes you. And I was like, Dad, no. Like, he's just like you, and it's really, really weird. Um, but um, I I did have a – I did just um, come out of a very, I guess, the longest relationship for me. It was like three years because um, I never really dated anybody for a long time. I, I just couldn't commit to that. Um, but – I I think over the course of the three years, and he was actually the only the only guy I had who I brought to my dad. Like I really want you to tell me what you think of him. And I think as time went on, I I kind of realized that there were similarities. So you know they say you know girls are attracted to men like their fathers, and I didn't think that um, Lex was anything like my dad. Until after they met and just things started coming out slowly but surely, like, um, he cares. He cared a lot about, you know, making sure that he does what he says he's going to do. And, you know, if he doesn't, he, it, like, eats him up. And um, he also came from, you know, a family where his dad wasn't really around as much. And so he tried to do he tries to, like, overcompensate in our relationship in the in the way that his, his dad wasn't there. So he would try to, you know, fill in, like, and my dad did the same thing, I think, in his marriage. So it was just, there were, like, little subtle things. Um, and not to, you know, throw, like, the color card around, but <laughs> my dad, my, we're all um, fair-skinned and, Lex was the only fair-skinned guy I ever dated, and that just really threw me how I I went, you know, because in my teenage years I was really angry with my dad. So then it's like the first guy I date in college that I think is nothing like my dad. Actually, there's all these similarities that I didn't even realize until maybe a year <laughs> into us dating. Um, and he can really, really make me laugh really, really hard. So I, I think that, you know... <laughs> There's, there's, uh, there were subtle, there were subtle things there, um, but I think that the one thing that I can say um, that separate Lex from my father is the fact that um, I can, 
I'm trying to figure out how to say this. I know that at the end of the day, he's going to, you know, just tell me if he doesn't do something. Or if he said he was going to do something and, you know, he can't do it, I can expect that from him. And I think that, um, and I won't even have to ask. So it's, he, he gives me that, yeah, he's very responsible. He, he respects me enough to not try to hide his flaws. Um, and I think that that is probably, I think, the biggest thing that I, I can't get from my dad right now, but I, I can get out of that relationship. So, um, so yeah, he is, uh, I, I, I don't even know what else to say after that. I think, uh, I just thought it was really funny how there were, I just started finding out all these things about the com- these comparisons that I didn't even know existed, so... I love what she just said. He respects her enough to show his flaws. Mm-hmm. Mm, R-E-S-P-C-T. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's really interesting that that song was actually written by Otis Redding, but sang by Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Just throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I meant to bring it up earlier in the show. But what what men really need, you know, is respect. And what women really, really need is love. And we can't even see that in the Bible, you know. Right. right. Um, but then you have this song where this woman is singing about respect. But really, <laughs> it's a man. The man is saying, you know, respect me. Like, find out what that means to me. And I think that when you when you give, you know, a father or any man. But I, I think even as a daughter, I guess let me speak as a daughter. As a daughter, when I give my father respect, even when I feel like maybe he doesn't deserve it or I shouldn't have to, like that's what he needs. And and he needs that in order to respect me enough to, to love me or, you know, to, yeah. to try to love me. Yeah. Um, I think sometimes we bring out the best in our parents. I think sometimes um, our parents want to be, um, these superheroes that we want them to be, or they want uh, we uh, we want them to to treat us according to the way that we feel like they should. Um, but I think sometimes we bring out the best in our parents, or we can bring out the best in our parents, um, because our parents will probably never uh, admit you know their wrongs to us, um, but at the same time. Um, they know when they have fallen short. And a lot of times that, that burden falls on the man because um, if there is a uh, separation, the man is usually, um, you know, living in a different household. And so that burden falls on him. And, yeah. you know, if you, if, you have failed, if you have failed anyone, you know it. And if you have failed your child, it's probably weighing on you even more so. But I think just by us, um, not holding our, our, our parents, uh, holding things over their head for a long time, just by mm-hmm. them knowing that, hey, you know you messed up, I know you messed up, listen, we don't need to talk about it, we don't need to deal with it, it doesn't need to um, impact our relationship, just by your parents knowing that you forgive them, I think sometimes just brings out the best um, in our parents, and that's why I say, like, we, we have the, the power to do that. Um, and, and if you're a child, you know, we can't expect a whole lot from you. But as we grow up and as we, you know, become adults, we have to learn 
how to forgive people. We have to learn uh, now that you are an adult, you have to, uh, you know, the Bible says that, you know, once we become, uh, you know, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And so we have to take on that adult mindset and, you know, at least make the attempt. Um, I did a, a book talk a few weeks ago, and I told my dad about it. And I didn't even have to ask him uh, to come. He told me when I said it, he, he said he was coming. And he kept his word, and he came up here. I didn't think he would. I, I didn't think that he would because my dad is always working. I mean, he works, like, every day. He works about, uh, what are they, uh, 365 days a year. I guarantee you he works, like, 362 days a year, you know. <laughs> um, but just by us, you know, growing up and us maturing, a lot of times we can set our parents free just by our words and our actions. Hey, I want to, I want to give um, a couple of things out. Uh, I want to give some statistics out, and I want to encourage everyone, and I, I think Trent's still listening, but I'm glad he came on. There is something that, that's called the family focus, and uh, Trent, I will get it to you, but it is something that I encourage everyone to sponsor in their hometown, wherever you, in the place that you currently live or hometown, wherever. Um, it is something that I'm working to bring here right now, I'm just, and you can have it at your local cinema. Um, you, it's a documentary about the family focus, and it focuses on fathers. And if we're going to, if we're going to change this world, if we're going to do anything about what's going on, you guys, I believe we have to get our men back to a place where they feel honored and respected and that we allow them to operate in their natural state of being in control. If they fail, then they have to answer to God. Give them over. Pick that man, number one, who who is looking up to God, who is going to God for his covering, for his decision-making, and then allow he and God to do what they do. And we get back to that place. But this is a documentary that you can you can show once at a cinema. Um, you buy it, you get the rights to it. But when you're having your local meetings here and there, you can show it as many times as you would like in your original state. Um, so for me, I could do it as many times as Butterfly Evolution in, a, in my private home, in a meeting somewhere. But it, it, it is speaking with men all age, all races, and it is amazing to see how even men are affected by the absence of that father or just the feeling of a, of being rejected by that father. I remember one young man, they asked maybe 20, 20-ish, he couldn't even speak in the camera because his eyes filled with tears. You had grown men, and this is all race again, who 40, 50 in suits, who talk about the void that they carry because they don't or didn't feel loved or needed, wanted by their fathers. So I want to give out a few statistics as well um, as it relates to the fatherless home. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, five times the average. And this is probably up a little bit now because this is a dated one. Uh, 90% of all homeless and runaway children, 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 
30 times the average. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders, disorders come from fatherless homes. 80% of rapists with anger problems come from fatherless homes. 71% of all high school dropouts come from fatherless homes. Um, I'll give just a few more. Uh, 70% of youth, youth in the state-operated institutions come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youth in prison come from fatherless homes. Um, I, I could give you, I mean, I could give you more, but I'll stop there. And if you're interested in this, let me give you what site this is, and maybe you guys can go. It's fatherlessgeneration.wordpress.com. So if you just Google fatherless generation, you'll see it. There's a, a great deal of stats there. But it, it, it helps you to see again. I, I feel what we what we lose is that structure. Even even a child age two or three, a man can say something. And they just listen, just his voice, his tone. Um, I've, I've seen it where it didn't work all the time, and I'll tell you, I don't quite have the respect for men <laughs> who cannot. I heard Steve Harvey said when he married Margie, um, one, of his, one of his kids got in trouble at school. He, well, they called and said he had ADHD, and Steve said, well, when I went back to the school on Monday, he no longer had ADHD. <laughs> and that's to me... This is this is a man who's taking control. Whatever you think you have in this house, we don't have. We don't do. There's a level of respect even the children, toddler, will give a man. A man can walk in and change the house, change the mood of the house. There's there's organization there. You see, kids of all ages want to get things in order just because dad's home. Mm-hmm. Mom walking the door, they love like, oh, just mama. You know, she's just gonna fuck. <laughs> So, Cody got something to say. He speaks. Go, Cody. Oh, let's get let's get with it, Cody. <laughs> uh, really, it's, um, thank you, guests, for and really everybody for speaking their experiences. I'm really just taking all of this in, and I'm being reminded of things that's happened in my life, and it's it's I mean it's. It's great. I mean, I, I'm, you, you all are making me think now, and I did say this was like an educational time for me, and it, it has been kind of like a, a therapy session in a sense. But I wanted just to add a thing about the about the man coming in and changing things. This was this is on a small scale. This happened to me like maybe five, six years ago. Nothing big, but it was something significant. I was in a Walmart one one afternoon. And I, I was looking around. I was about to buy a snack or whatever. I was on my bike, and I stopped in the electronics section. And it and it was it was this boy on the game one of the game consoles. And his mom kept kept telling him, you know, hey, come on, come on, you know, whatever the boy's name was, you know, come on, come on, we don't have time, come on. And I was right next to the boy. I was watching him play, and he 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 left. It went somewhere, but then he came back. He came back to the game console, but by the time he came back, I was already on there. And he was going to. He stood right next to me, like as if he was wanting to play again. But his mom was like, "Come on, come on!" She was saying that a bunch of times. And 
all of a sudden I said to him, go over there to your mom. And he just went straight over to his mom. And I and I and I and I've told and I I've noticed that even within my life when I've had men tell me things uh, versus a woman, it is so different. I mean, for I, I don't know for some reason us men have that have that power to just just to just say it with our tone of voice and we just do it or we just we have a change of attitude. And we we just do it. Um, so yeah, I I can attest to that, and not only within my life, but that example that I gave with that kid, it was just I, I all I just said was go over there to your mom. I didn't say please, and I didn't do it disrespectfully or anything. I was just like in a in a command voice, go to your mom. And he went straight to his mom. And you're a perfectly stranger. And I'm a stranger. I didn't know I didn't know the kid nor the mom. Um. And that's what I mean. That's what I mean by there's just a, this is a natural order that God has ordained for men. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, it's all out of order. It's all out of order. There is no structure in the home, even when there, uh, and it can be, even if there's, if the father is not in the home, there still can be a place to where, even if the mother and father is not together, uh, to where if it has to get to a point where I'm calling your dad. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm yeah. Um, there, I gave out some statistics on the negative side of it, but I want you guys to hear a little bit more of this. Children with fathers who are involved are 40% less likely to repeat a grade in school. And the, and the key word there is who involved, I'll say involved, because there's a difference from being in the house and being involved. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference. Children with fathers who are involved are 70% less likely to drop out of school. And again, I'm giving you the reverse. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to get A's in school. Wow. Children with fathers who are involved are more likely to enjoy school and engage in extracurricular activities. And 75% of all adult adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from, I think I said that one, come from fatherless homes, which is 10 times the average. So I think I gave you another one that I gave you before. But, you know, again, it goes back to just the role of a man, father's, daughter's first love. We, we're not talking about the young men tonight, but a, a son's first hero. And look at our kids today. They have no respect. It's like they've lost their way in such a way until you don't understand. There's there's no explaining it. Mm-hmm. No, for me when I was younger, um, I would I would not want to. I I didn't really ever want to disappoint my parents, but especially not my dad because for me it was a. Uh, it was just he he is he's it he's it for me like at the end of the day that was my that was my um i guess my standard for you know how well i was doing so i i i made a's you know i i did extracurricular activities i i did all these things i cleaned up my room um and um i just wanted to 
to please my dad, to make sure that my dad was happy because, you know, when he comes home, I, I want everything to be perfect. Like, I, I want him to be proud of me. And um, I think I mentioned before, my parents were both military, so I think my mom was in the Air Force, and she got out fairly um, soon after my parents started our family. But my dad made a career out of the Army, and so it was always be the best you can be, you know, and, and that was that was the motto that basically I lived by because that was his standard, and so I kind of took it on as mine because if my dad is being the best that he can be, then, you know, to make sure that he loves me, I have to make sure I have to be the best that I can be. And um, because I respect him enough to do that, and when I'm the best that he can be, I know that he loves me, he's going to do whatever, he'll be happy, he'll be proud. And I think that every kid, every child is is just looking for that. They're looking they're looking for that from, from dad, you know, from especially, you know, young women, because I know my younger sister is the same way. It's, even though our, our relationship with our father is different, because she's a baby, so she automatically, you know, can do no wrong. <laughs> but... Um, I think we, we all look for that, you know, I, I want to make you proud, or, you know, Daddy, I need you, or Daddy, what do you think? It's always, how is your, how, what do you expect from Mom? Tell us the difference between what you expect from Mom and Dad. How does that, because you've expressed that there was a difference oh, yeah, from absolutely. age four where you're, right. you're drawing the pictures about you and Dad, Mom right. just left out. Mm-hmm. Tell us the difference that you've seen and what you expect from mom and dad, what you're willing to give and and make dad more proud. I think explain that difference. Yeah, I think I think the difference comes in with just um, how it's supposed to be. You know, I don't, I don't know. I think I I guess from my personal experience, for me, dad was like that last. Dad was like the the last say so, like the final say. So it's kind of like if dad says it's okay, or if dad doesn't think I should really do it, or says I don't have to do yeah. it then, yeah, then that's it. Like, what he says is it. But I think from when you look at, you look at mom and my mom and I have a really actual, we do have a very close relationship. We do really love each other, and um, I talk to her about everything. But I think with mom, you kind of go to more as the, she's a part of the decision-making process. Like, she hears everything. She hears all of your indecision and, you know, I don't know what I should do or this is how I feel, this is what was said. And she's there and then you get whatever she says or you take her advice, you know, whatever wisdom she drops she drops on you and you kind of those little nuggets that you hold on to and save for later. Um, but dad is it. But dad is that okay, like, this is this is what's going to happen. Um, and <laughs> it's so funny that you say that because I remember, I, I don't know, I'm just being reminded of the last, um, when I did, I, I actually transferred into Lipscomb uh, University in Nashville, and, I you know, I, I talked to my mom about it for weeks. You know, I was just kind of like, I don't know, I don't know anybody in Nashville, so she's going with me through all of this. And my dad and I hadn't even really been talking a whole lot, um, but he said he would come help me move. And so I was like, okay, so, Dad, like, this is, you know, these are all the facts. This is what Mom and I have talked about. You know, what do you think? And um, he 
he, you know, said basically he didn't really think I should go. But, you know, <laughs> so I guess I'm like, night, I was 20 at the time. But I just really felt like I should do this. Like, so it, I think that was probably the first, that's probably the first and only time I can remember doing something other than what my dad had said he thought I should do. And so a week later, I was like, Double checking with him, and I said, "Hey, Dad, you know, I was calling to make sure you know you're still coming to help me move into my dorm in Nashville." And he, the shock in his voice was just so apparent because he said, "I thought I told you I didn't think that you should do this," and I said, "Yeah, but that was, you know, your opinion. But my decision <laughs> myself was, I'm gonna do this because I really feel like I should." And I think that was a really defining moment <laughs> in our relationship because I think for the first time, you know, he he realized that, you know, it, it, it has shifted. Um, not to the point where he was, you know, on mom's level because, you know, that is, I don't think a man can be a woman or a woman can be a man, but um, I think that was the kind of like he realized, oh, my goodness, like my little girl is not, my little girl anymore and uh, he actually said that in that moment like wow so I'm really I'm surprised but you know I'm glad that you know you're making a decision for yourself and you asked me you even consider it to ask me you know or if I sound like dad I'll always you know ask you you know what you think I should do and he said yeah but now you know, like you ask, you're, but you make you're doing it for you. Yeah. Like, right. And I was like, well, you know, I always, you know, I always be your little girl. He was like, yeah, but it's different now, babe. And he kind of, I think he kind of teared up a little bit, and it was, you know, kind of really cute and stuff. But I was, um, but I, I think that's where kind of the difference is. You know, I think, I think especially for daughters, and I think. For guys too, you know, you look to dad to kind of be like, okay, what do you, what do you think? Like he's your last go-to, so it doesn't matter how many other opinions or you know expert opinions you get or other people's advice. I think at the end of the day, whatever decision you make, you want your dad to a approve and b you know accept it. Even if it's even if it's your decision and it's not what they originally want, you still want them to to accept it because you made that choice for yourself, um, which I don't even know if that makes sense, but I feel like it does in my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> any questions, Rodney? <laughs> and the lines are wide open, you guys. For those of you who are out there, uh, the chat line is open as well um, to get your questions and comments in. Um, Brianna, do you do you think that a child needs? Uh, and since we're dealing, since we're dealing with fathers, we'll just stick to fathers um, instead of saying parents. But do you think a, a, a child needs their father uh, more so when they're younger, or when they are at the age you are now? Let's let's just say college, uh, the college age. Let's say between the ages of eighteen and twenty-one. Um, when do you think a child needs their father more when they're when they're younger um in grade school or um during those college years yeah i that yeah that's tough because i think i, I don't know I feel like, 
Tammy and I talked about this, but um, I know I just shared this with someone the other day. Um, you know, I think my dad tried to be there for us, you know, as much as he physically could when we were growing up, even though, you know, whatever my opinion is of whether or not that was enough doesn't really matter at this point. But once I was older, not, you know, and we did go through periods where we we didn't talk. Um, and I think a lot of that was, um, I think, in the in the lyrics of that daughter song by John Mayer, um, fathers will love, or daughters will love like you do. And he's, he's saying that to fathers. So he's like, fathers, be good to your daughters because daughters will love like you do. And so I think by, by the time I was older, um, and it drove my mom crazy. Whenever I would make her upset, she's like, you're just like your dad. <laughs> you're, just, you're acting like your dad right now, and it just makes me so upset. And she would say it jokingly, but I think deep down I think she really meant it. And I, I think once I got older, you know, for me it was, yes, I still want your approval, but it's not just, you know, that male pride, but now I have my own pride. And so I think we were both kind of tussling with that a little bit. Um, when I got mm-hmm. older, and um, but it, it didn't matter. It didn't matter, you know, how how upset I was or how old I how old I've gotten. I still, you know, and I still wanted to be able to call him for that approval. Like I still always it, wanted that approval. It never goes away. It never it, really it, goes it, away. Speaking from forty six, and I'm gonna start here, and I'm gonna work back because I'm in a better place now, and I owe that to just because of my own personal growth mm-hmm. and dealing. And sometimes we have to realize, too, that we have we have our stuff on us as well that we need to deal with, and sometimes it will diffuse some of the things that we think we are, that we need and we don't have and, and all that. The mind plays this, this huge trick on us, I really believe, that we, we focus on the things that we don't have and we miss out on what we do have. But I can remember... Um, maybe, and I was married at the time, had Brandon working at a school, and I was in North Carolina at the time, and I remember this huge storm, that one of the biggest storms or the worst storms that they had in North Carolina. And, and I remember, never forget this later, Jennifer Cooper. <laughs> um, we had been out of work because of the storm for a number of days, and we finally made it back. To work, just the just the faculty, and I answered the phone, and Jennifer Cooper's dad was on the other line, and he said, "I don't need to talk to her. I just need to know if she's okay. I've been trying to reach her for days, and of course, our phone lines weren't working, and um, but they were. They had just come back, and you guys, even at that age, I can't remember exactly how old I was, but again, married, had my child, and my my eyes filled with tears because. I had not heard from my dad, that my dad had not called to see if we were okay. Mm -hmm. Not that he Mm -hmm. didn't care, but what I needed, this was just what that brought up in my mind. Um, But I remember that day so so vividly. So it doesn't go away. And even sometimes young girls, um, we might convey to our fathers that we don't, we we don't really need it. We want it, and sometimes we respond out of anger, which may, which mm-hmm. because we we've, we've now, this has now turned into anger. 
my feelings of rejection now has turned into anger. Now we have the dad with pride who's saying, well, she doesn't want me. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. Well, now the daughter could be saying, well, I'm angry now, and I'm going to push you back. So now we have these mixed signals going. Mm-hmm. So what I encourage everyone to do is at least communicate. What has helped me is communicating. What has helped me um, even now, the last time I spoke with my dad, I, every time I call him, I, I say, you could call. You could pick up the phone, and, and he says, I'm going to do better. Now, I'm waiting on better. I'm waiting on that. But, but now I'm not so angry waiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have, to, you have to get to a point, as we started out in the show, and I think you said, Brianna, you have to realize that, you you have to find your own you have to find yourself and the value in yourself because people are not going to always love you the exact way you need to be loved. Yeah. But you are. We need to take responsibility in telling people what we need from them. For me, it has made it easier because I have said this is what I need from you. And that's all you can do. Once you express your need to a person, it's on them. I think that's true, but I think, too, going back to, to Ronnie's original question, you know, a child can't, a child doesn't know how to communicate that. So, well, I mean, I think now that, you know, you and I were both older, right. we can see we it. know, we, we can see, okay, this is what I need, this is what I need you to do, and our fathers can either, you know, choose to do, to to put up or shut up, rather, you know, I, I think that's how it goes, but... um I, I think a child a child can't a child cannot express that unless you know they're just really really brilliant and can foresee everything. But, but see, if they don't deal with it, if you think about the child, they can't express it, but they're feeling it. That you grow they're up feeling with it, but feeling. They, they don't know how to communicate it. To and so I think right, and, but to avoid that, I think if you had to choose between younger years versus called 18 through 21, I think a lot of things that I had, a lot of anger and, and um, misfeelings or miscommunicated feelings that I had when I was, you know, now, I guess in this period of my life now, could have been avoided if my dad had physically been there and I hadn't been feeling, you know, the rejection or, you know, seeing him raise someone else's child, you know, all those different types of things. I think, I think the formative years, are 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 extremely crucial. So I mean, not not to say any age gap is or any age um, period is more important than the other, but I, I do think that when you're younger, the, the discovering yourself and and having that having 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 the father there versus not would be more ideal. I, I, I okay. honestly believe that to, to compare to. I think because I, I remember, fortunately, I, I, it's really weird for me because it's like I remember having my dad there and knowing what that was like, and then him not being there, and then struggling to figure out, you know, was it because of me? Was it not? Because you you can't understand, you know, when you're in elementary school that you know, okay, maybe my parents just can't work out. You don't get that. But, and then when you're like, okay, so dad's like never coming back. I think I knew when he got remarried, and I was definitely in puberty. I don't even know what, how old I was, maybe 12. 
So I'm like, okay, this isn't going to be like the parent trap. My parents are definitely <laughs> never getting back together. I keep definitely moving on. So where does that leave me? Where does that leave me in his life? Because now he has another wife who's not my mom, another daughter who's not me, a son who is not me because he never had any sons. And so it's like, okay, is he just getting everything that he wanted that he couldn't before? You think all these different things when you're younger. But I feel like if that is not... So I think all those things I had to deal with eventually later and that I'm still, you know, dealing with now, I think I've, I, I feel like I can say I've gotten a lot better. I've talked to my dad, and, we, you know, we've forgiven each other for a lot, and we're very, I think, candid. I'm sure I'm, sure I'm probably a lot more candid than he would like me to be about everything. But um, some of that stuff could have been avoided. So I have a question for you. Let's take a caller, but the question I have for you when we come back is, what could you, what could your dad have did differently at during that time? A transition to where he was, he was a new husband and, and a stepfather. What could he have, if anything? What could he have did for you at that time that would have helped you through, if anything? Um, and let's take our caller. We're bringing in a caller from 901 Area Code with the last four digits of 0957. Caller, you on the air with us? Hi. I'm sorry. Hi, Tammy. Hi. This is Cheryl. Hi. How are you? Good. I was actually Hi. biting my food right before you announced that I was going to be on, so I apologize for that. Oh, you're fine. I wanted I wanted to share something kind of along the lines with Brianna's um uh, I want to call it, you know, longing for her dad's actual presence, you know, in her home, family. Well, a lot of the things that have been said. And I don't know if you actually saw this picture or when I posted it, but Father's Day, I posted a picture, and I was partially apologizing for it because I'm 40. Well, at that time, I was 46. It was last year. My father came through Memphis on his way to Tunica, so he wasn't coming to see me. I was a sidebar. Uh, my father has several outside children and some other relationships. And he, my parents, I don't know if Brianna even knows what a shotgun wedding is, but oh, my yes, parents had that. <laughs> so my father got married to my mother and left. And my, I have a brother that's three months apart from me. So he, he married my mother and went to go lay down with another woman, if you get what I'm saying. So it, he was never a presence in our life. He had never been there. My father has two children with my mother and never been there for either of us. But one of the things that is so profound about where I am in my life, I'm successful. You know, all of the things that a person would attribute to being successful. And my father, for the first time, one month ago, when I did a summit for young women, and my father left me a voicemail because my sister, which he has more children, logged on to Facebook and showed him what I was doing, and he left me a voicemail saying, I'm so proud of you. I, I listen to that message almost every day. But back to the birthday, my father met me at Cracker Barrel and asked me to come to South Haven to meet him as he was on his way to Tunica to go gamble. And I said, no problem, I'll be glad to. I have a picture. You know how they have the rocking chairs sitting outside of Cracker Barrel? Yes, I love those. I, I, 
<laughs> I, my father was sitting there, and the couple sitting playing checkers waiting to be seated, um, I asked them to take our picture, and I sat on my father's lap. They thought he was my sugar daddy. I said, no, this is my actual daddy. <laughs> so one of the things I want to share is, like with Tammy, as part of her therapy, one of the young ladies that I was sharing with, I want she's not a young lady, my counselor said, she said, and even my, in my faith relationship, my relationship with God was affected by how I felt about my father because I, couldn't, I could see him as God and Lord, but not that loving father. Yes. I did not have that kind of relationship with God even because, and she said, I want you to see yourself sitting on your father's lap. And that vision, you know, when I took that picture, it became real for me. Not only did I need that from my natural daddy at still 46 years old at the time to never have sat on my daddy's lap, to never have known what that experience was like, and it having an impact on my spiritual life. I had no clue. I had a strong prayer life, was teaching Bible study, and when I would get into a bad place, I would withdraw, and she was like, Abba, you reach out to Abba. I'm like, who? How? <laughs> She's like, you need to see him as a loving, supportive, guiding force in your life because that's what you're, you know, redirecting your anger in all of these man situations that you're dealing with. She's like, Nobody's protecting you, and you're angry. <laughs> you know, you are that little seven-year-old girl again who's angry for the men in your life who did not cover you, who did not protect you, who yeah. expected for you to be a little adult in a situation where you were still a child. And so I just wanted to share that. I posted that picture, and I said, yes, I am this age, and I am sitting on my father's lap because it was one privilege I did not get as a child. And you were how old at the time? I'm sorry, you were how old at the time? It was last year. I was 46. Wow. It's never too late. Kudos to you for that. That is so, I feel like, encouraging because you're you're absolutely right. Um, I mean, I'm only 22, but when I first, I didn't didn't come to, um, to know God or Christ until I was in high school, and when I first, you know, started, you know, it it was hard for me to 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 accept, you know, God as a loving God. And I'm like, you let all this stuff happen. And I know I made that, um, I guess it's not really a mistake, but just a part of that journey where I was, you know, I was angry at God because I'm thinking, yes. you know, you're, if, if you are, you know, if you're the, the perfect father and then you give me, you gave me this father, to 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 show me how to treat you. How am I supposed to know how to treat you when I don't even know and when my dad doesn't treat me the way you know he's supposed to? And and not having that covering for I guess you know those those crucial years you know 16 when you know you do start dating and all that all those different things like that. And um, I'm just so happy to hear that you know you you got that from your dad and it, and it doesn't even matter how long it took, but, like, you you got that. And um, I know I could share that this past weekend my my younger sister um, is pregnant, so she has um, unfortunately become a statistic of being, you know, a young unmarried mother. Um, 
And I know part of that is, you know, our, our dad not being around and, and teaching us about men. You know, I I learned a little bit, and I, so I protected myself. I know I mentioned earlier, I would not date anybody. I didn't date anybody for, like, over a year because I was just like, I don't trust guys. You know, they're never there. You know, all that, all those different types of things, they go along with that. But um, I, I think my my baby sister, she hasn't been like that, and so, you know, so now she's pregnant, and so we had, but we had the baby shower this past weekend, and my dad actually came down um, from where he's staying, and came. And um, when he walked in, I heard his voice, and I was in the other room because I, I threw the baby shower, but I, I was putting stuff together, and uh, I heard him, and I, I peek around the corner, and it, I, <laughs> I felt like such a little kid. I, I. I promise you guys, I felt like I was six years old again. But I peeked around the corner of where, you know, we were having a shower, and I saw him, and uh, I said, Dad. And he went around the other corner, and I promised this 40, I don't even know how old my dad is, but he made me chase him around the house. We had guests already there. Like, it was like, you know, he came home from work, and I'm trying to run and catch him. And then he turns around and catches me in his arms. And just having that moment to, and I just say, you know, Daddy. And he's like, oh, and it, you know, it, it seems so simple. But those moments, like, really do help. And I um, I commend you for, you know, your ministry and, and teaching, you know, other women that it, you know, our, our spiritual father is who, you know, we look to. So it doesn't matter, you know, what your relationship is like with, you know, your your biological father or any man in your life, but being able to, you know, look to God and even whatever whatever it is that you do have in this life, looking to him to give you what you're lacking so that you're not empty or you don't have any feelings of void or rejection or anything like that. So I'm so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm so happy that you called. I'm so happy that you got to have that moment because um, some people never get that moment. Yeah. But I'm I'm yeah. so happy that yeah. you got you first. Yeah. Like that just that yeah, makes me. Yeah. Well, I thank am you. as well, Brianna, and I, I'm sorry. We, oh no, that's okay. Go go ahead. I was just gonna let everybody know that we're down to about three minutes. So go ahead if you could. Okay. Yeah, I know the time has yeah it has, it has flown by. <laughs> So I'm I'm good. Uh, go I don't ahead. need to say anything else, Tammy. I'm good. I just wanted to say yeah. I, I am as well, um, Brianna, because it has postured me for so much more in terms of the decisions that I make. Those little things you never forget. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I hope all of our fathers hear that and hear how just you could hear through the phone how genuinely you feel about that moment, and that is a heartfelt moment that you that just belong. So it has been a great show, well, Rodney. I guess we need to do fathers a son first, a son sure. first hero. Um, that sounds like has, a good idea to me. Yeah, yeah. I would like to um, since we have just a little time to go, and I wish I could have uploaded this song the proper way, but I'm going to play it anyway. It's Daughters, and it's by John Mayer, and this is the song that uh, Brianna earlier. So you guys listen to this, and if it doesn't come through exactly the way you need to, 
uh, go back and listen to it. And, again, it's John Mayer, and it's called Daughters. And John Mayer, M-A-Y-E-R, is the singer. Uh, Rodney, anything, any last words? Um, just wanted to say that uh, just like Cody, uh, this was a learning session for me. Um, I learned a lot from just listening to Brianna, from listening to Dr. Fetterman, from listening to Trent, from listening to Sherilyn, to li- uh, from listening to you, Sammy. Um, this has been a, a great learning uh, session for me. Um, I'm not a father, uh, but I am a teacher. Um, and so um, just a lot to take away from this show. So if you're listening to the show tonight and you know of anyone who would benefit from the show, please, please, please encourage them to listen to the archive show. Um, very powerful comments. Um, as Trent said, uh, just epic. Um, this was this was a great show and much needed um, because I think some things came out that we were not even expecting um, to, come, uh, to come out. Uh, but I'm so glad that it did, and I'm so glad that the, the conversation was just open and um, we were able to learn uh, from our guests, uh, from our callers, uh, from one another. So uh, much appreciated. Uh, before we close out, we will definitely uh, be back on with you uh, next Monday. Looking forward to uh, doing this again. And so, uh, Sammy, thank you so much. I know I'm a part of Butterfly Evolution now, but I, but I am also grateful. So thank, thank you for allowing me to be a part of Butterfly Evolution. Thank you for being a part. And uh, as I said, go ahead. Oh, uh, and I would like to say this. um, uh, This Saturday I will be in Norfolk, Virginia, if anyone is in the Norfolk area um, who is listening to the show. uh, This Saturday, August 16th from 11 to 2 p.m., I will be at the Book Exchange um, in Norfolk, Virginia, doing a book signing for my book, uh, From the Heart of a Teacher. And next Thursday, August 1st, I will be doing another uh, book talk. Um, through uh, D.C. Public Library. So um, if you're in the area, please stop by, and uh, it will definitely be a good time. And for those of you first-time listeners, uh, From the Heart of of a Teacher is his last publication, and the first one was Tired of Being Black. So look Rodney Jordan up, and uh, please support. If you're not in the area, then send it. I'm sure you guys know someone. In Virginia, we all know someone in Virginia, so send it out to those you know in Virginia and support. Um, And thank you, Rodney. Thank you for being a part of the Butterfly Evolution. It has just made my life easier. Thank you to all of our followers. Sherilyn, thank you for for always bringing your great comments and and life to the show as well. Um, Thank you for being so candid to our fathers uh, as well. And just we just encourage everybody to do a little better honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself about who you are, what you're doing, why you're doing it, or why you're not doing it. So hold yourself accountable, especially if you're someone, if someone needs you to be accountable. If you have a little life that you've given life to, uh, please do better with holding yourself accountable in every area. So we leave you, and I want to say to Diane out there, we're going to leave a different song tonight, but I'll take care of you next week uh, with our ending song. So let's listen to John Mayer, and again, the title of this song is Daughters. You all have a good night, and thank you for tuning in.
Have a good night. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you here next Monday, same time, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. Thank you.